el primero de mayo. <laughs> this is the uh, football kickback. I am your host, DCMD. Uh, follow me on all the usual platforms at DCMD, wherever you can. But if you're new here, this is what I do. Every football Sunday leading into the Sunday night football game, I pull up and I recap the 4 o'clock games and the 1 p.m. game. So tonight will be no different. When you pull up, make sure you do hit that like button. That helps the algorithm and all that good stuff. We, we want to do that. We want to help the algorithm because that helps get more people to come peep the stream and peep what we're doing here. We're doing top-notch high level, high quality content. And we want to keep that going here. So uh, thank you for those who have pulled up. Thank you for those who said they're going to check the replay. Appreciate that. So whether you're catching this live or in the replay, make sure to hit that like button, uh, drop comments. Let me know what you thought the most important game of today was. There's obviously going to be a lot of fanfare about certain games, certain plays, but after what we saw now, again, this is before the Sunday night game. So from what we saw from the one o'clock and the four o'clock games, what was the most important game that you saw today? Or who was the biggest difference maker today? Let me know in the comments, whether it's on the live or whether it's on the replay. Let me know in the comments, who did you see today? Or what person made an impact today that was the difference maker? Who was the biggest difference maker today? I'll let you know who my difference maker today was later on. But let's put up, let's pull up the, uh, let's see if we can get this going here. So one man gang here. So let's get this up. These are the games we're going to be talking about. So we have the 4 o'clock slate here, which is Chiefs at Broncos, Bucks at 49ers, Panthers at Seahawks. And then we go to the 1 o'clock slate. So only three games in the 4 o'clock slate. So we were thinking maybe this might be a mid-4 o'clock slate. Didn't turn out to be that way. So glad glad for that because that helps this stream. So and then when we do get to the 1 o'clock games, Texans at Cowboys. There's a lot there to get into. Please believe there's a lot to get into there. And Vikings at Lions. Were the Vikings exposed? Did we finally get to see the Vikings get exposed? We'll get there. But I think first off, let's start with the Chiefs at Broncos. Let's get that highlighted there. And now let's go ahead and get into the screen share because you know how I like to do it here. I like to show y'all what I'm looking at as we transition here. So let's do that. Boom. So we have Chiefs at Broncos. Now, I thought this game was over. I thought this game was over because early on, what, they had field goal, field goal, touchdown, touchdown, or some sort of order of that. The Chiefs were just dominant out the gate, and the Broncos were looking like the Broncos. It was like Russell Wilson in a mid-off and trying to figure out how to get this offense to do anything. And Mahomes was able to go up and down the field. He's able to get Kelsey involved early. McKinnon was a – well, he's a, he's a revelation. But in terms of McKinnon was a difference maker maybe – for the, the Kansas City Chiefs today because playing with Mahomes, we've been talking about how they're a wide receiver away, losing Tyreek Hill, trading Tyreek Hill, and not really replacing him with someone of that quality. And it's hard to, equal, to find equal quality for Tyreek Hill. But when you have a um, Tyreek Hill and then you try to replace him with a Juju Smith-Schuster and then a you know Valdez Scantling, that's not going to do it. So they've been searching for someone to come in. They try to get the trade for Tony from the Giants. Hasn't really panned out, and now he's hurt. So they've been searching for a wide receiver. Well, today, McKinnon stepped up and was a difference maker. He gave you that Tyreek Hill big play function. That's what they need. They just need someone who could come in and potentially break open a play. They have not really had that. They've had guys make plays at times, but they haven't had someone week in, week out. Because Kelsey... Let, let's keep it a buck. 
Kelsey's been kind of mid in terms of what he was doing early in the year. In comparison to how dominant he looked early in the year, Kelsey has kind of been in a, I won't say a slump, because it's hard to be, it's hard to have a, a slump. But when, when it looks like, you know, when, when it comes right down to having Tyreek Hill over the top and, you know, Kelsey just destroying in that seam and finding the soft spot in the zones, that's hard to stop. Well, now you don't have that deep threat. You don't have that guy who could just take away a bomb. So now, Scantling, not really that type of guy. Now you have Juju, not really that type of guy. So now you're talking about who else can we get? Who else can we have take the top off the defense? And they've been trying to take turns over the course of this 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 season. So now when it comes right down to it, look, they're a wide receiver away. They're still a wide receiver away. But what we saw today was Mahomes was not that great. As great as he looked at times when he was able to freestyle, when he's able to get outside the pocket, and be able to throw off his back foot or throw across his body or like he did with the play with McKinnon, just kind of shovel pass. Oh, I don't even know how to even describe that pass that he had to McKinnon, but it was definitely a playground play. definitely a freestyle out the pocket, just, you know, making that eye contact. McKinnon, you move when I move, and we just going to make it happen. Drawing the defense enough, I thought over the top of the defender and the way McKinnon goes with the speed that he has. So it looked to be like the game was a wrap, but it wasn't <laughs> because – they took away Kelsey. And like Kelsey's been kind of mid. I'm not sure what it is. You know, there's been talk in regards to, uh, you know, his personal life and, you know, some changes there over the last month or two. But in regards to him on the field, I know he broke, he like he broke into the top five when it came to uh, receiving yards all time. And he's the fastest to break 10,000 yards and all of that. But the fact that, you know, look, full, full disclosure, I have him in fantasy. So him and Mahomes been killing for me and been giving me a lot of W's. And over the last couple of weeks, Mahomes has been still him, but Kelsey's been the one. He had the fumble last week. He had a couple of drops again today. And it just he just hasn't been himself. Um, so when we look at this here, let's take a look more intently. See if we can zoom in here a little bit or at least focus in. So let, let's take a look more at what Kelsey has done. Kelsey, you could argue, should be the number one uh, guy on this team in terms of targets, right? So he was second today uh, next to McKinnon and Juju Smith-Schuster with 11 targets. That's not going to be a recipe success for the, of, that's not going to be a recipe for success for the Chiefs going forward if that's what, what we're going to look at here because that's not going to be good. If you're going to depend on Juju to get the majority of the targets, and I know Mahomes and Andy Reid like to spread the ball around, make sure all the potential playmakers get some touches, and that's fine. But what we've seen over the years is that when you have a number one, you need to make sure your number one is getting double-digit targets. I will become a broken record on this stream because I will come in here screaming from the mountaintops every single time your number one receiver needs to get double-digit targets every single game to establish the fact that he is, in fact, the number one wide receiver, the number one option for your passing attack. Right now, we're looking at Juju having 11 targets and Kelsey having nine. I don't know if that's defense. I don't, know if that, I don't know if that's scheme. I don't know if that's something where the Broncos were doubling. I'll have to go back and check the film on that. But when it comes right down to it, something has to happen with this Chiefs offense. They can look dominant at times, and then they could look like a bunch of mid. Now, I don't know if it's about the running game. We know, you know, we know we don't, we know they don't have a real running game, right? We know Pacheco, McKinnon out the backfield. That's not something to write home about. 
and they've tried to find, you know, stopgap improvements, but they haven't really settled on anything. So, but let's move to the Broncos. Because we know the Chiefs are going to be the Chiefs. Mahomes, you know, three touchdowns, three picks. He's finding a way to get those types of picks where it's like inexcusable at times. But because he's Mahomes, we let him slide. He had a few more of those today. Two of those three picks today were like inexcusable passes that if any other QB threw them, we would be like really chomping at the bit to tear that person up. But because it's Mahomes, because he's got a ring already, because he's been an MVP already, he has the pedigree, we fall back. But Mahomes is trending in that territory where the freestyle playground ball is great when it works, but then when you're throwing it to double coverage or you're underthrowing guys and it gets picked off and you're just not seeing the linebacker, covering guys, it becomes a problem. So the Broncos, though, Russell Wilson came alive. And then he got that big old knot on his head, looking like Hasim Rahman from years ago in that in that fight. Uh, but Russell Wilson, this is by far his best game as a Bronco, which isn't saying much. But Brett Rippon, Brett Rippon, and I see we have some comments here, and I'll get to those shortly. Uh, Brett Rippon, did we unearth something today? Just like we'll get that when it comes to the 49ers, the 49ers may have found a quarterback. Did the Denver Broncos find a quarterback today? I'm not sure. But Brett Rippon came off the pine with Russell Wilson, who was playing well, who was running the ball. That's the dynamic that Russell Wilson hasn't really exploited too much this season. And over the last two or three seasons, actually, when he was still at Seattle, he stopped running the ball effectively. Now, he runs himself into a lot of sacks. He holds onto the ball too long in the pocket. And all of his negatives and his fallacies have certainly been exposed uh, throughout this whole entire season with the Broncos. But today was the first time. And again, this is all about the second half. Because the first half, he was mid. He was probably worse than mid. The second half, Russell Wilson was who the Broncos thought they were getting. Now, a lot of that has to do with Jerry Judy. And you see here on the screen, we got nine targets for Jerry Judy. And, you know, he got demonstrative after a call, after him not getting a call, and he bumped a ref. He'll probably get a, get a fine from the league from that. But for whatever reason, after that, he looked like Jerry Judy from last year. <laughs> he looked like Jerry Judy from last year where he goes out there and gets a couple of TDs. He gets three overall, but he got two of those from Russ. And he looked really strong. And that's who, that's what I think Russ thought he was going to get the entire season. Now, Jerry's, Jerry Judy's been battling through injuries. Colin Sutton didn't even play today. He's been battling through injuries. And so he hasn't really gotten the full compliment for the entire of the season. So even though we're all, you know, riding on Russ, and we're all, you know, making fun of Russ and tearing him down and let Russ cook and all of that stuff. But when it, when it comes right down to it, he hasn't really gotten the full complement of weapons that he was promised to have, that he thought he was going to have throughout this season. He really hasn't gotten that. So um, what you're seeing here or what you saw today is a Broncos team that shows they can score. They can move the ball, even without a running game. When they had to open the offense up and play from behind, with Russell Wilson as the quarterback, they were able to do it. And then when Russ caught that big old knot, Brett Rippon was able to come in and continue the effect of play. So will this be a turning point? Obviously not for this season, but going forward in terms of establishing Jerry Judy, again, nine targets. You know, clearly you know how I give it up. I think he should be getting like what, what Juju Smith-Schuster got. He should be getting 11 plus targets per game. But 
Was this something today that we can look upon next year and be like, okay, ever since that Kansas City game, they've been rolling. The offense has looked better. Russell Wilson has looked as advertised. Jerry Judy has become a guy that is entering that territory where he is a defined double one receiver. Like, will this be the catalyst for change in Denver? Remains to be seen. But I think that this is a very interesting game that Denver uh, defense showed up extremely well in the second half. They kind of got caught off guard, switched cheesed up in that first half. But I think from from what I saw in that second half, the Denver defense looked more like the Denver defense because they have a top-notch defense. Like, don't don't trip. The, the record that the Denver Broncos have has nothing to, nothing to do with the defense. It's all about the offense. So um, let me see. Let me get to the comments here. We have someone checking in. Let's see if we can add it here. Where can we put this here? Shut down Russ for the year. Time to evaluate Rippin. I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad at that. Like that that's something where you could really, you know, make a case for that because clearly what Russ suffered today was a serious injury. Uh anytime you have a big old knot like that, that knot's not gonna go down in like a week or so. So maybe that will be maybe this will be the catalyst for change there. Maybe that's the catalyst for change. Maybe Brett Rippin, uh, who's been there for for a little bit, now gets a chance to step in and become the guy and show and prove. Maybe he becomes the next Mike White. Maybe he becomes the next uh, Brock Purdy. Who knows? But I think that there could be something there. There definitely could be something there. Thank you for the comment. I appreciate it. Um, when it comes right down to it, man, I really think not only do the Broncos need to evaluate the quarterback position, but they also need to evaluate just what the hell is Hackett doing from a coaching standpoint. There were a couple of times today where it seemed like the team was like lifeless. And I'm not sure what's going to happen. I'm not sure if they're going to evaluate Hackett this offseason. There's a real good chance that he could be gone. I mean, I wouldn't have hired him in the first place. I know why he got hired there, because he has the right last name. But in regards to, has he shown you enough? If you're the Walton family, you spent the type of money to buy this franchise. Did he show enough or has he shown enough to show you that he is a leader of men? Is he the type of player, is he the type of coach that can really galvanize a base? I don't see it in Hackett, and I think he might be in over his head. I think most people thought he might be in over his head. Uh, you know, he, he did some things with, with Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers back in the day, but right now, showing and proving, getting his first chance, he's spitting a bit. So let's, see, let's go back here. Um, so, look, that was Chiefs-Broncos. There's a lot there to take away. I think if you're a Chiefs fan, you have to feel okay that, that you got the dub. Clearly, you escaped mile high with a dub. But you have to be concerned, one, with, again, another below, below standard performance for Travis Kelsey. Three picks for uh, Patrick Mahomes, which is not good. You don't want him to get into that thing of where he throws a lot of touchdowns and a lot of picks. He has that propensity to do that. So that's not something we haven't seen for him before. We have seen Mahomes get wild and dangerous with the rock and turn the rock over. So that's something we need to kind of pay attention to, but we'll let him cook. We'll let him slide for this week because they do go on the road and get the W. So let's move on here. We have the next game, Bucks at 49ers. Let's see if we can get this queued up. Is that going to work for me? There we go. All right, Bucks at 49ers. Let's see what we got here. Let's see if we can find that box. Now, this game was the game of the day. Uh, it was a, a big thing on paper. Even with no Jimmy G, 
So no uh, Belichick reunion with his former QBs and Tom Brady and Jimmy Garoppolo at midfield. But you had the storyline of, okay, we were, you know, we were hit ad nauseum with the fact that, oh, Tom Brady was born on the West Coast. Oh, Tom Brady was in the building when Dwight Clark made the catch. Oh, there were a lot of rumors over the last couple of years whenever Tom Brady was entering free agency that he might go to the West Coast and he really wants to be a 49er. We got all of that. And then the hype with Brock Purdy, it's made to be a matchup of a sixth-round QB versus another sixth-round QB. And potentially, with the injury to Jimmy G, much like the injury of Drew Bledsoe, could this open up the gates for Brock Purdy to do what Tom Brady did a million years ago in stepping in for Drew Bledsoe? Now, let's get to these numbers. These numbers are very, very interesting. Okay, so look, Tom Brady, who I've been on the record, he's done, right? He's done. We can stop stop the nonsense. Um, he is absolutely done. I know there are some people that hold on to the fact of, all the rings and championship pedigree, and he's the GOAT, best QB ever. He's done, okay? Brock Purdy. Now, is this more about Brock Purdy today, or is this more about Kyle Shanahan in the scheme, or is it the fact that the 49 is one of the most talented rosters in the entire league? I'm always going to go see. It's always the talent. But Shanahan will get his props because, you know, his scheme is nice. He does, he does. He just find a great way to make his all of his playmakers interchangeable, whether it's Debo Samuel, and we certainly hope that Debo heals up. I just saw something on Twitter before I came live here on the stream that it's not his knee, it's his ankle. So they're hoping that he avoided a major injury the way that he got twisted up and bent back, which it looked pretty bad. I was going to play the clip here, but I don't, I don't want to get it. It's just too much. It, it, it didn't look good. So if you want to look at that on your own, feel free uh, after the stream, of course. But when it comes right down to it, um, Shanahan finds a way to make sure his guys mix and match. And that's why that McCaffrey trade was such a big deal for them. Because now you have two guys who are so interchangeable in Debo Samuels and Christian McCaffrey that it's really, really going to be tough to stop them. Even with Debo out, what you saw from McCaffrey today is what how I thought he was going to be able to perform week in, week out. I thought once he left Carolina and was, you know, fully ingratiated into the system, he will be putting up numbers like this week in, week out. Like, I really thought this was going to make the 49ers go to the moon. Hasn't really happened like that. He's giving you some moments. He had that three-touchdown game a few weeks ago. But this right here, the performance we saw today, was the Christian McCaffrey I thought we were going to get as soon as he got traded from Carolina. So you, you look at these numbers here. So 14 carries. Again, not a lot of carries. I mean, McCaffrey is the type of guy where you can give him the rock 20-plus times from a running position. So 14 carries, 119 yards, and a touch. But here's where the dynamic part comes in. You look down here, he gets three targets. So again, he only got 17 touches. 17 touches. Well, actually, 16 touches. He only had two, two receptions with the three targets. But 17 targets, 16 touches. And he gave you, let's do the math, about a buck fifty. A buck fifty all purpose from scrimmage. I mean, if 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 this is what McCaffrey's gonna do with limited touches, imagine if they force feed him. 
But the thing about this Shanahan thing and the thing about this talent thing when it comes to the 49ers is they don't even have to do that. They don't even have to force feed him because they have a Debo, because they have an Ayuk, because they have Kittle. They're loaded everywhere. This 49ers team, and we're not even going to get into the defense because the defense damn near pissed a shutout today against the alleged GOAT. The defense pitched damn near a shutout, and you have this offense that is like front-loaded, back-loaded, like they have it all. The San Francisco 49ers have it all, and they might even have a quarterback. That's going to be the funny thing about it. Like, from going to Trey Lance to Jimmy G to now Mr. Irrelevant six-round pick Brock Purdy, this is where we're at. This is actually where we are at in 2022 NFL season, week 14, where Brock Purdy outduels Tom Brady. Outdueled him. And at times you could just say, all right, man, look, he, he threw the rock to Debo. Debo made a play. That's not much. I'm not going to give credit to Brock. I'm going to give the credit to Debo for doing all the work after the catch, getting all the yak, right? But there were some throws where, no, that was Brock Purdy. That wasn't scheme. That wasn't, you know, talent guy, you know, uh, Debo or C-Mac out-talenting someone or Kittle, just manhandling someone. No, no, no. That was Brock Purdy actually making a play, like really making a play and establishing himself that he's not mid. What are they going to do with Trey Lance? If Brock Purdy becomes a thing, what are the San Francisco 49ers going to do with Trey Lance? Let me know in the comments, whether you're watching this live on a replay. If you're the 49ers, if you're John Lynch, you have now a sample size, albeit a small one, of Brock Purdy. Trey Lance wasn't that impressive when he had the keys handed to him. Now, again, he didn't have Chris McCaffrey. So we, we'll cut him some slack there. But in regards to looking comfortable, how is Trey Lance looking less comfortable in this offense with all the reps he got preseason, training camp, so on and so forth, compared to Brock Purdy, who was riding the pond the whole year and is dusted off and comes in, and he's been aight. I'm not going to say he's he's great, amazing, anything like that, but he's been aight. And I I can't even say Trey Lance was aight when he was getting all the reps. Do the San Francisco 49ers have a problem, a quarterback, a good problem at quarterback, where they still have the alleged future in Trey Lance, but Brock Purdy... Could be a thing. Oh, then, then you always got Jimmy G just kind of hovering over there in the background. So it's going to be interesting to, to, to how that goes. But the 49ers are going to be a machine. Uh, no one wants to play them in the playoffs. Uh, D'Amico Ryans should be a head coach in this league uh, next year with the way that his defense has played. And where are the weaknesses for the, for the, for the 49ers? Where are the weaknesses? You could say QB. But if Brock Purdy is in this game manager mode, I mean, how many game managers you know with a 134 QB rating? How many game managers you know with a 134 QB rating? It will be certainly something to look out for because assuming Debo, I don't think he plays next week the way that looked, but who knows, right? Who knows? With enough cortisone, anybody might be able to come off the pine. It's probably Debo. So, uh, in the playoffs, if they're healthy, good offensive line, great defensive line, great defense, 
if not the number one defense in, in the league. They're at least top five. The 49ers are going to be a tough out. No one wants to play them. If you're the Eagles, you do not want to see the San Francisco 49ers come into the link. I don't care how good they've looked. I don't, you don't want to see a team like this come into your building in the playoffs. You don't want that. And if you're the Bucs, look, man, I think Tom Brady didn't want to be there. We know the collusion that he had where he wanted to be with, with the Miami Dolphins in their front office until the coast was clear. Then he could double back, spin the block, and become the starting QB. Uh, but he looks like a man that doesn't want to be there. And this offense, you know, you saw him and Mike, Aven, Mike Evans have a long conversation early in the first half, and they just don't look to be on the same page. I don't think they've been on the same page the entire year. And I, I don't know. This is a team that wasn't supposed to be what it is because Tom Brady wasn't supposed to be there. And, you know, Julio Jones, I mean, just a bunch of names on this roster, but not a lot of production. A lot of names, but not a lot of production. But see, here's, here's the funny part about it, and let's just make sure, as this is, I'm sure, updated. The problem is <laughs> they're still leading this division. The Tampa Bay Bucks, as bad as they looked, with a minus 30-point differential, they still are in charge of the NFC South. That's the problem. This team is not a playoff team, but because that division is so horrible, they are going to get into the playoffs. I mean, the Panthers get a big, big W today to kind of keep themselves in the mix. We, we might as well go ahead and move on to that because – the Bucs are not really the story here when it comes to this NFC South. The real story here is uh, the Carolina Panthers. So let's go ahead and do that. And let's go ahead and do that. So Panthers at Seahawks. Oh, I wanted to come out here and shout out Gino again. But Gino, Gino fell back to earth today. And let's bring up the, this whole division thing again. So Carolina has the same net differential as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So a team that has had how many QBs? At least four. Is it three or four? Yeah, at least three or four starting quarterbacks has the same net differential as a team that has the alleged GOAT. That's football. That's football in a nutshell. Because, you know, they got rid of Matt Rule. They traded away their best offensive weapon. And then they traded Robbie Anderson. They've done all of that. They've went through the whole Baker Mayfield thing. Sam Darnold started off the season. He was mid. They benched him. Then Baker. Then he was mid, and he got hurt. Then they went to P.J. Walker. P.J. Walker had a spark, but then he lost it. They go back to Baker. Then they go back to Darnold. Dar uh, Baker wants out. Baker bounces. Now it's just Darnold and P.J. Walker, and they still are within earshot of a playoff spot. You can't get rid of them on the end the hunt graphic. They're still there. They're hanging on by a claw. And today was a huge, huge victory for the Carolina Panthers. And let's pull up that box score because Gino looked like Jets Gino. This was the first game to where I looked at Gino and I watched Gino and I was like, oh yeah, that's him from the Jets. He hasn't looked like that this entire season, even on his bad days when he's had mid games or just subpar performances. I haven't seen anything that's reached out to me or screamed out to me as, oh, that's Jets Geno. Today I saw Jets Geno. And I think that's probably you no know, exhibit A 
of why the uh, the Seahawks took an L today. Shout out to Marquise Goodwin, though. Marquise Goodwin was really a difference maker um, in a loss, albeit. But DK Metcalf, 10 targets. And I talked about this on last week's stream. Him and Tyler Lockett, they, they interchange in terms of who gets double-digit targets. I think last week it was, uh, yeah, last week it was Tyler Lockett. And then DK had like eight or nine targets. Now this week, DK Metcalf, 10 targets. Tyler Lockett, nine targets. But here's where, how this, <laughs> this is why sometimes stats lie and the box scores are funny. Because look at this. Geno, three touchdowns, two picks, 264. Cool. They did nothing in terms of the ground game. You know, we know Kenneth Walker was hurt. They did nothing with the ground game. Cool. And we talked about the passing game, you know, Goodwin, Metcalf, Lockett. They all had respectable games for their positions and their standing, right? Then we come over here to the Panthers receiving. Where's DJ Moore? DJ Moore, three targets, not one catch. The Carolina Panthers went to Seattle on the road, a game they had to have, a game they had to have, and they won it. With DJ Moore not getting a single reception. I mean, this, this, this is why football could just be weird. Sometimes it's just a weird sport where it's like, on paper, the Seahawks should have ran the Panthers out the building. If I tell you the Panthers go on the road and they have Sam Darnold, who is not, does not have an impressive day, so much so that he doesn't even get DJ Moore, their number one bona fide receiver, a top-tier receiver in this league, not, not even one reception. You're like, oh, and Gino threw for three touchdowns? Oh, yeah, Seahawks went big. No. No, it's because of the Panthers running game. The Panthers running game showed up today, and it was a running back by committee. And this committee was three, four dudes. Three dudes. Deonta Foreman, 74 yards. Uh, Chuba Hubbard, 74 yards. And then Blackshear in the second half was really impressive with four carries and 32 yards, including the touchdown. So the, the Panthers just decided to just get bully ball and run the ball. Now your man's McAdoo calling those plays. Is he trying to make it from all them years with, with the Giants where they, they try to call him out for not uh, running the rock enough? He damn sure ran the rock today. Let's see. That's 21, 14, that's 35. They almost, yeah, they ran the rock over 40 times. <laughs> McAdoo was not playing. They ran the rock 40 times on Seattle. And when, when you look at Seattle, it's pretty much the opposite. They ran, they almost threw the ball 40 times. 36 attempts for Geno. That's not love Geno. Love the resurgence, even though he wouldn't call it a resurgence, and I'm not either, because I think he got a raw deal with both the Giants and the Jets. But he's finally getting a chance to show who he is. But Geno's not a guy you want throwing the rock 36 times. I don't care how good he is. I don't care how many. You know, it's great that he has targets in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. You still don't want Geno Smith throwing a rock almost 40 times. Can't have it. Can't have it. But this was a great win for the Panthers. Great win. 5-8 and eight team getting a great win on the road. That's not easy. Your number one receiver doesn't get a single reception. And you still go on the road and win. And win pretty convincingly, especially in the second half here. The second half, what was the difference? Good Lord. Imagine putting money on Seattle, just assuming. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. Huge win. Huge, huge, huge win. And this sets up now the playoffs, if we want to even delve into that just a little bit here. That win 
keeps Carolina in the hunt. Five and eight. Now, they're not in the hunt for the wild card per se. They're, you know, three games back. But the thing is, they're only a game back in that division. And imagine if that Carolina Falcons game with DJ Moore, I think, unjustly got hit with that flag for ripping his helmet off after he scored what should have been the game-winning touchdown. Or, yeah, what should have been the game-winning touchdown because then the extra point got missed because he had to back him up 15 yards because they, they threw an unsportsmanlike conduct because he, he ripped his helmet off. If they win that game, they're tied for first. Carolina Panthers. Carolina Panthers. They're, they're, they're not going anywhere. What's their schedule? Do we want to do schedule talk with the Carolina Panthers? This is amazing. We're actually going to do schedule talk with the Carolina Panthers. Oh, they got a game with Tampa. Home Pittsburgh, that's winnable. Home Detroit, that's a that's a hard game. That's a hard game to see them winning. At Tampa, that might be for the division. January 1st, at Tampa, that might actually be for the division. And they already beat Tampa. If they sweep the Bucs, take away that tiebreaker, oh, I need that. I need that. I need Brady to spit the bit. At the very end, most likely on his way out of Tampa. And then I need, you know, the upheaval that Carolina. Again, they get Mike Rule, Matt Rule out the paint. Trade McCaffrey. Trade Robbie Anderson. They release Baker Mayfield. They go back to Sam Darnold after trying to figure out the P.J. Walker experience. And they can somehow steal this division? Amazing. Absolutely amazing. All right. That was a 4 o'clock slate. That was a lot there. Uh, 1 o'clock slate. You know where we have to start. <sighs> Dallas. Dallas was supposed to take the L today. What was that spread? Minus 19? I'm not sure what the closing number was, but minus 19. Let's go ahead and pull this up. Let's see. Let's navigate here to the screen. Boom. Uh... Oh, it actually came down a little bit. Point spread was plus 17 and a half, apparently. Minus 17 and a half on the Cowboys. I saw I saw 19 earlier in the week. All right. So we're not going to get to the first half. The first half was was the 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 Cowboys came out slow. And you can't do that against a bad team. When you come out against a bad team and you don't play up to snuff and they bum rush you or they just stick around. It's an old adage in sport, but you can't let a bad team stick around because they gain confidence and they feel like they might be able to steal one. That's exactly what the Texans did. They thought they might be able to steal one, and they actually had the lead and were up and were in the prime position 98 yards away. That's all they had to do was defend 98 yards. Stop the Cowboys from going 98 yards and scoring on you. What happened? Lovey Smith and the cover two happened. That's what happened. And good Lord, if you if you've known me and you know my content for a while, nothing makes my blood boil more than watching a team play zone when it matters. Now I understand there's a place for cover four, there's a place for cover three, and I understand how you can mix and match some things, and, and that's fine. Cover three, cover four, I'm not so mad at. There are schematic ways that you can be unique and make that dynamic. But that cover two, oh, that cover two. As a former Chicago Bears fan, 
I watched Lubby Smith and this Tampa 2 get carved up in every single big spot. Every single big spot. The cover two got Swiss cheesed up. Whether it was playoff games, the goddamn Super Bowl, big regular season games, fourth quarter comebacks, the cover two always found a way to show its fallacies when it mattered most. So today, when the Texans are up and they've got 98 yards to play with, with Dallas at their own two, I'm like, lovey, if you ever needed to go away from your system, now's the time. Don't just sit back and let them seem you to death. Don't just sit back and let them post corner you to death. Don't let it happen, lovey. You've done all this work. You've taken a team that is clearly tanking and brought them into enemy territory in Jerry's world. And you could still won. But no. No, lovey. You go back to that Tampa too. Ain't no Derrick Brooks on this team. Ain't no Warren Sapp. Ain't no Rondé. The dudes that made the Tampa 2, the Tampa 2, aren't on this team, lovey. Not even the Bears version of it. There's no Erlacher. There's no Lance Briggs. What was Lovey thinking? Just allowing the Cowboys to march 98 yards and get a touchdown to win the game. And it should have been the Gallup, but they take that off the board. Zeke runs it in and 98. I think we have to drive here. I wanted to make sure we pull this up. All right. So 98 yards. I mean, how, how, how do you allow a team with their backs against the wall, literally at their own two, and you just allow them to just dink and dunk their way down the field, chunk play after chunk play. Look at this drive chart, 21 yards, Dalton Schultz down the middle. Cause again, it's the Tampa two Dak runs for nine. Again, Dalton Schultz, 13 yards, cover two. Dak hit Zeke, six for six yards, cover two. Little quick play to CeeDee Lamb. Another Dak run for six yards, cover two. Noah Brown, who was huge in his game. Excuse, Noah Brown was huge in his game, 18 yards. Looked like a post corner to me. Cover two. Again, Dalton Schultz down the middle, 18 yards. The way to attack a cover two. And the reason why I'm so exasperated by this is because I watched it happen year after year after year when I was a Bears fan. You could take your tight ends and attack the seams. Because the linebacker is going to back up. So you're, if you're a good enough tight end, you either sit either in front of the linebacker or you go over the top of the linebacker if you have the speed and the height to do so and attack that route where you're right in the middle, but you ride that seam, which is kind of you have to force the linebacker to make a decision. Is he going to follow or is he going to stick to the discipline of the defense and just sit in the middle? So... Man, I don't, I don't know what to tell you, but it's, it's certainly a lot going on there. 
and Dalton Schultz killed him on this drive. And then Zeke was able to eat up some yards on the ground. They had that play to Michael Gallup where, for me, for fantasy reasons, I was hoping that was, that was going to be six, but it wasn't. They take it off the board. Then Zeke comes right back. And on third and two at the Houston two. So they went, how, how much time was on the clock? This, this, this thing was, it was maddening. It was maddening watching this drive. 3.20 left at their own two. Now they had a two-minute warning. And then they score with 41 seconds left. 46 seconds left, excuse me. <sighs> 11 plays. Two minutes and 39 seconds, 98 yards. 11 plays, 98 yards, two minutes and 39 seconds. It was miserable. The Texans were right there. Sure, they covered, but I mean, a 17 and a half point spread, I'm not going to give them any hand claps for covering. But in regards, but in regards to winning a game. Now, was this a tank job? This falls into the narrative of a tank. Did the Houston Texans tank today? Did Lovey Smith decide back against the wall, 90, 98 yards to cover? You know what? Just sit back. Sit back. Did Lovey do that to his team today? I mean, sure, they're 1 and 11 and 1, but who's even, no one else is even remotely close, right? Like, no one else, I don't think anyone else is like remotely close. In regards to, yeah, there's no one else. The NFC, there's no one there, right? Yeah. I, th I mean, they haven't clinched the number one overall pick because uh, it was there with three wins. The Broncos now got three wins. So the Broncos only have three wins. So, I mean, you could say you have to keep losing just to make sure Denver's not there. But does Denver even have that pick? Doesn't that pick go to Seattle? So they don't even have that pick. But anywho, so... I don't know if what we saw was taking today, but it was something. To sit back and let that cover two dissect you in a big spot, I can understand early in the drive. I can understand early in the drive. You want to sit back, you don't want to get hit with the big play. Sure, that's the whole point of the cover two in all zones in general, right? Cool. Once they hit midfield, all right, we got to switch this up. Clearly, they're, they're getting chunk play after chunk play after chunk play. We need to switch this up. Maybe a cover four, maybe a cover three. Something where you're just not allowing Dalton Schultz to just sit in the middle. Sit in the middle of the field and just kill you in the seam. Uh, ugh, disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. And, you know, Lovey has rode, rode that uh, whole Tampa 2 thing to multiple jobs in pro and college. Uh, Tony Dungy has rode that whole Tampa 2 scheme to a Hall of Fame career in a seat on the NBC uh, NFL show. But when you come right down to it in the year 2022, heading into 2023, why on earth is anybody still playing Tampa 2? Why? Unless you have Hall of Famers at every level like Tampa did, why would you even try to emulate that same scheme? Why? The Cowboys learned the hard way. They had Mar uh, Marinelli out there. They learned. They had to get off that too. They had to move on. Very weird. Very, very, very weird. But, hey... Look, the, the, the Cowboys, <laughs> I don't know about their long-term plans. I don't think they're going to be around late January. It's just I don't, I don't see it. I just don't think that 
I don't feel as though that team can put it together on both sides of the ball when it matters most in the big spot. I think they'll always get this lopsided performance where today the defense was not that good. I know um, Lawrence made a play late on the goal line there, and that was that was important. So I'm not trying to poo-poo that, but I think when it comes down to when we get into these deeper games, when we get into these deeper months and these deeper parts of the season, I just don't know if we could just keep on continuing and expecting the Dallas defense to just make a play because the offense will be there. I have no issues with the Dallas offense. The Dallas offense will be fine. To me, it's always going to be the defense when it comes to Dallas. All right, let's move on here. One more highlighted 1 o'clock game, and we got to go to Detroit, Ford Field. For Dan Campbell, Man Campbell's Detroit Lions, they looked amazing today. This is a team where I don't want to jump out the window. Okay, let's start here. Was today more about Kirk Cousins and the Vikings being overrated, or was this about the Lions being underrated? Let me know in the comments. This is more about the Vikings being overrated, or the Lions being underrated. Even if you're catching this on the replay, just hit me up in the comments because I'm really interested to know what people saw when it comes to this game because the Lions aren't supposed to be here. They started 1-6. They're supposed to be in that Houston Texans territory, right? They started 1-6, and, and it looked to be like the Lions are just going to be what the Lions always are, a team that might have a lot of talent, might have some names, but... For whatever reason or the other, they always find a way to trick it off. But give credit to Man Campbell. Give credit to the running game with Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift and uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. And now we got Jamison Williams back in the mix today. And um, look, th this team is legitimately good. The offense is legitimately good. They got some playmakers on defense, but they're definitely still a few, a few pieces away for me, even regarding their defense as to being anything more than average. But when it comes right down to it, for a team that was one and six to now flip it and be six and one in their last seven, that's amazing. Or five, five and one, excuse me, five and one in their last six, that's amazing. And they're in the mix. They're in the mix. Let's go ahead and pull it up. I'll show you here if you're watching here on the, on the live stream. This is a team that needs to be reckoned with. And if you're just pulling up, make sure to hit that like button. Appreciate it. And if you're watching this on the replay, same thing. Make sure to hit that like button. Um, but the Detroit Lions here, the only team in the NFC North with a plus point differential. That is interesting. This is a team that plays well at home, even though they're only, they're only 500. But they were in the mix against Buffalo. On uh, Thanksgiving, they were in the mix. They could have made an argument. They probably should have beat Buffalo. And if they do that, now they're 7-6, and six and they're, well, that tie, that tie, that Giants, and the Giants and Commanders got that tie, and that might really, that might, that might really alter things in the playoff race. But the Detroit Lions are here, and they're here because of offense, right? And they're here because Jared Goff, oh, I don't want to say Jared Goff is not good, Jared Goff realizes I got a shit ton of weapons and I'm going to use them. And he is smartly doing that. And he's doing it in a way where he's, he out Kirk cousined Kirk cousins today. 
That's what I got from this game. He out Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins today. And because he just kept feeding the rock to his weapons. Great quarterback. We know he's not a top-tier quarterback. We know he's not an up-and-coming quarterback. He's a vet at this point. We know who he is. We know that McVay was in his headsets all them years with the Rams and feeding them, telling them exactly where to throw, who to look off, all that stuff. We know all of that now, right? So we're not surprised when Jared Goff puts up numbers, when we look at his weapons, be like, oh, well, look at the weapons he has. Because if we're looking at DJ Chark with a big game and a touch, Amon Ross St. Brown we talked about. Josh Reynolds has been a has been a difference maker over the last few weeks here. And again, this is with, you know, Jameis um, Williams, you know, he, he gets that touchdown. That was a great moment. He hit him on the bomb. Um, it's it's this Lions team next year. Now, again, I still think they're a quarterback away. As good as Jared Goff has looked of late, especially over this five and one run after starting one and six. They're still a quarterback away. Imagine a good quarterback walking into this team where you have a Amon Ross St. Brown, you have a Jamison Williams, we would assume by next year, fully healed. And then you have the running game where you have a good running back in DeAndre Swift, who is a dynamic back. He can cast a rock out the backfield. And you have a guy in Jamal Williams who, if they decide to keep him, is a guy that can grind some yards out and be effective on the goal line. The only thing they're missing is what they traded away to the same Minnesota Vikings, which is a tight end. They, they get a tight end, it's off to the races. And that's something I would have never imagined as a guy that's used to watching the Detroit Lions over my, life, over my lifetime. I have never seen the Detroit Lions have an offense that was, that was considered dynamic. There's been times where they've had good players, obviously Megatron as of late. Even before that, even the Barry Sanders year, they had what? Herman Moore and Barry Sanders. That was cool. That was solid. That was enough to make the playoffs a couple of times with Wayne Fonts. But, I mean, I we've never thought, you know, the Bobby Ross years were kind of an enigma for, for the Lions. But this offense is legit. This offense is not for play play. And if you're the Vikings here, they're just overrated, man. The Vikings are overrated. We, I've been talking about it. I've been doing these streams the last uh, three weeks. And every week I come in here and I'm like, I don't. I just don't know if the Vikings are good or not. I think it's for us to stop guessing if they're good and just say, despite their record, they're not good. It's okay. Sometimes things are anomalies. Sometimes you can win 10 games and not be good. And when your net differential is in the negative, when you've won 10 games, that should tell you all you need to know. You've blown out some teams and then you've been blown out. The few times you've been, you've either won a lot of close games, which is what it is when it comes to the Vikings, or you do a lot of blowing out or you get blowed out. Like that's just how that is when it comes to, you know, point differential. What happened to Dalvin Cook? He was a guy you could give the rock to 20 sometimes. I mean, Justin Jefferson, you look at these targets, 15 targets. Uh, second half, he was destroying them. He was slicing them up. This game, much like the Chiefs and the, uh, and the Broncos, this game was thought to be kind of over early. But then the Lions just, you know, the, the Lions kept letting the Vikings back into the game, and then Justin Jefferson kind of took over late. Hawkinson had a couple of drops. Literally a couple of drops because they had eight targets and six receptions. Those two, those two um, targets that weren't receptions, I believe, were drops. 
Adam Adam Thielen. I just I know him and Diggs. Like remember, there was a time where people had Adam Thielen over Stefan Diggs when the two of them were there. Then people realized, oh, we're silly. <laughs> then Diggs became the guy. And then Diggs leaves. So they get thought, all right, well, now back to Thielen. Oh, no, no, no. We got Justin Jefferson. So Thielen, who at one point was thought to be the guy, has been relegated now to the second guy. And he's kind of been forgotten about. Kind of been forgotten about. But he showed up well today. But this game is more to do with the Detroit Lions proving that they're underrated as opposed to the Minnesota Vikings, who just keep showing us week after week that they're that they're overrated. 10 and 3 and you're overrated, that's problematic. You get to the standings here, get to the playoff picture here. If you are the NFC playoff picture, thank you. All right. Detroit. They're in the wild card hunt. They are in the wild card hunt, and you can. I mean, they're definitely not going to win the division. So it's wild card or bust. But with the fact of Seattle losing today, that was a big, big get for the Lions. It's going to be, look, and, and see, that this is why that tie with the Commanders and the Giants, that might work out well for them because that might keep a team out like Seattle, like Detroit because of the percentage, because of the win percentage. So these ties might be real things. I certainly hope not. I don't want it to be that. But these ties might come into play where, uh, let's get off the screen here. The, uh, the ties might come into play. And you don't want that. You don't want a team to be sitting at home just because two teams tied. There should not be ties in football, but that's a whole nother, whole nother discussion for another day. Okay. We will take this off the screen because we don't have enough to put all the games up there, but wanted to give you all some production value when you see that. Okay, so what else do we see today? So we saw the Jets and the Buffalo Bills. Interesting game, ugly game at times. Uh, first half was really ugly. Both offenses were struggling mightily. Second half was a little bit more action. You got to see a little bit more of Josh Allen doing Josh Allen things. And I'll say this about the Jets. Mike White needs to be the QB of the future. Um, the moxie he showed today, the fact that he got off the mat a couple of times, was knocked out of the game twice, but still found a way to bounce back. I think, to me, he has shown enough to warrant a chance, a legitimate chance to be the starter for this team. Zach Wilson, they could go ahead and find, they, they, they could dump him on somebody else or just outright release him. Um, if the Cardinals could do it one year after getting Josh Rosen, just jettison him, why can't uh, the Jets do that with Zach Wilson? He's not the guy. He's not liked in that locker room. That's been proven. He's talked himself out of that job. He, she, to me, he's been played himself out of that job, but then he then talked himself out of, that, out of the job with his postgame comments a few weeks back. So Mike White needs to be the guy going forward. Joe Flacco came in there and immediately started fumbling and bumbling, which is what Joe Flacco is at this point in his career. So, yeah, this is Mike White's team. This is Mike White's team, and they got so many weapons, the Jets. Like, they are outside of 
No. Yeah, I, I said outside of the Falcons, because that was a debate I had here a few few live streams ago where I was debating who's more, who's better suited in terms of we're just a quarterback away. Is it the Falcons with all their weapons in terms of Pitts and Drake London and Cordell Patterson and all the other running backs, Algiers in the backfield? Or is it the Jets where they have, you know, Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson, uh, even Mims showed up today. Conklin's serviceable at tight end. Got Bam Knight, who has been a really good pickup, dusting him off as a rook. And then we know we know what they have in terms of their their hurt running backs, which they have damn near a million of them. Who is better suited to be the best team that's only a quarterback away? The Jets or the Falcons? So the Jets really just need a quarterback, but I think Mike White is okay enough to be the game manager. I think he's okay enough to fit that role. He's not elite. He's not dynamic. He's not any of that. But I think he is good enough. Again, another guy that is in that Kirk Cousins mode where he's good enough to where you're not going to go draft a quarterback, but you also don't have the most, you don't have the utmost confidence that he's going to be the guy that takes you over the top. I think Mike White has that as his ceiling. I think his ceiling is Kirk Cousins. And if I have a whole bunch of weapons, surrounding a guy that's Kirk Cousins. I mean, that's been Kirk Cousins effectively his whole career outside of the Washington years where he didn't have a lot to work with but still put up respectable numbers. But ever since he bounced, he went to a team that had a lot of weapons and he's become way more than serviceable. Some people actually believe Kirk Cousins is good. I think Mike White is doing the same type of performance where Mike White's got so many weapons around him, people are starting to think that he's good. Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, Denzel Mims, let me pull up the screen here. This 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 roster is solid. You look at this um, with what they're able to accomplish here, week in, week out. Bam Knight running the rock. Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, Denzel Mims. Like this, this is, yeah. The Jets will be fine as soon as they figure out that it's actually Mike White and not Zach Wilson next year. This year, you know, it, it remains to be seen if they can sneak into the playoffs as possible. They're not out the mix yet, although this was a very bad loss today for their playoff chances. But let's get to Buffalo. No uh, Von Miller. They shut him down. And the offense, the offense looked mid. Why don't the Bills run the rock? And not run the rock with just Josh Allen, because we know he could do that anytime, anytime he wants. But... Devin Singletary, you see it here. James Cook, who people thought, you know, he was a sneaky pickup for people in fantasy. They thought he might be a guy that, that could go off. But now, look, give credit to the Jets' defense, right? Jets, Jets have a top-tier defense. But Josh Allen's supposed to be the MVP, allegedly. Josh Allen's supposed to be him. Josh Allen's supposed to be a one-on-one. And 16 to 27 at the crib? 86.5 QB rating. I understand weather was not the greatest. I understand, but it's Buffalo. He's supposed to be, he's built for that, right? He should be used to that by now, right? Stefan Diggs, five targets. Is that sauce? Or is that something that I did a video on my YouTube channel? And if you're here for the first time, thank you. Uh, make sure to subscribe and hit that like button. But besides that, there I have a video where I talked about Josh Allen needs to get the ball to Stephon Diggs more. And today, five targets. 
that's not, I don't know if Stefan Diggs will say anything, but we know how Stefan Diggs gets when he don't get the rock. He's a top two, top three receiver in this league. He would say he's number one, but I'm just going to be, you know, I'll placate a little bit. Just say he's top three. You can decide who you have. He's top three. You can't name too many more until you get to Stephon Diggs in terms of top guys in this league. Another top-tier receiver, five targets, can't have that. As great as Sauce is, can't have that. And if that's going to happen, right, let's say Sauce did his thing against Stephon Diggs. Cool. Then that means Gabe Davis, Isaiah McKenzie, somebody else should be eating. If you look at this, this, this box score, Dawson Knox got the most targets. Can't have that. I don't care if the defense is allowing you to get that. I feel bad for the Jets in the sense that they, sh- they had a real chance to steal this game. But because they had Mike White coming in, in and out of the game because the Bills just kept teeing off on him and they kept knocking him out, he kept taking rip shots, losing, you know, having shortness of breath. I think if they have Mike White at his full capacity, they have a chance to steal this game on the road and sweep Buffalo. That would have went a long way towards deciding the AFC East, but the Bills survive. You know, now they're just trying to hang on just to get to the playoffs. Now, now it seems like the Bills are just trying to, you know, sneak their way in to a top-tier seed, to a number one overall seed, because it's them in Kansas City at 10-3 and three now. And we'll get to, to Baltimore. Baltimore finds a way. Baltimore, Cincinnati, both 9-4. They keep finding a way to get Ws. But let's do one, one last quick look here for the uh, AFC leaders here for the Bills. The Bills at 10-3. and three. And the Jets, if the, you know, the Jets will make the playoffs. The playoffs started today. The AFC East had three teams. I don't know if you're a top-tier team if you want to see the Jets come into your building. I don't know. I don't know. Because the weapons are there. So it's not like in years past, whenever the Jets were fine. Even if, even if you want to go back in the day to Mark Sanchez and them, it wasn't even about the offense. It was about the defense. It's almost like that again this year, but there's so many weapons on offense that you can't really just negate the fact that the offense is mid because the offense is not mid. It goes as the QB goes. If they, if they get respectable QB play, their playmakers are making plays. And that's something where in the, in the, in the playoffs, you, you don't want that coming into your building. The last thing you want to see is a team that's uber talented that just needs a solid performance from their quarterback to put points up. So... The Jets, potentially scary. But let's go ahead to Baltimore, the Baltimore game. And I'll speed up here because I know we're, we're getting up against the, uh, the Sunday night game here. And I appreciate those who are pulling up. Appreciate it. Drop the like if you can. If you're catching the replay, let me know who's your difference maker. Who made the biggest impact in a game today? You might be surprised who my, who my difference maker is. But yeah, let's let's get to Baltimore. Baltimore again gets in tear. They go into Pittsburgh and they get a dub. Huntley was not good, but he was good enough. He did his best Lamar impression, and then he got knocked around. And then he had to dust off a rookie who also came in and did his best. Huntley trying to do a Lamar Jackson impression, and they still find a way to win. J.K. Dobbins comes back and he still hurt. He still hurt like. 
he broke off a long run and he was still favoring uh, his leg. He just didn't look smooth, but it was good enough to get through that Pittsburgh uh, secondary. It was, it, was, it was good enough to break through the line of scrimmage and get a big chunk play. Uh, but the Ravens just find a way. Calais Campbell still doing it, still blocking field goals. Uh, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's smoke and mirrors, but it's almost to that level. Because we know the Ravens, we know what they do. Run the ball, stop the run. And they damn sure ran the ball today uh, over 200 yards rushing, almost 240 yards rushing. Yeah, quick math there. Uh, about 240 yards rushing, and, yeah, they barely gave up 60 yards rushing to this Pittsburgh Steelers. And Mitchell Trubisky, again, like I said, former Bear fan here. So nothing won my heart more than Roquan Smith picking off Mitchell Trubisky. Roquan Smith picking off the man that basically cost him a career in Chicago. And if you go through my uh, if you go to my videos on, on YouTube, you'll see a video that I talked about the whole Khalil Mack trade and why they shouldn't have done it. And that's primarily because they had Mitchell Trubisky. And yeah, it, it's a lot there. It's a lot there. But yeah, so if, if you want to check out the YouTube channel, Trash Narratives, it's right there. You know, the Bears, uh, Khalil Mack, Mitchell Trubisky. I, I, I did a whole thing. Baltimore Ravens, though. They find a way again to sneak a dub. And this is the most weird 9-4 team. Whereas the Vikings are the most overrated 10-3 team, the Ravens are the most weird 9-4 team I've seen. Because what's their identity? Their identity is to run the ball and stop the run and maybe occasionally hope to catch Mark Andrews in the scene. They couldn't even do that today. But again, they find a way. Deshaun Jackson, they had to dust him off. He gets a couple of catches. Demarcus Robinson was the leading target getter with Mark Andrews with six targets. So Tyler Huntley did not look good, but he, he was serviceable. And then Anthony Brown came in there and tried to be like Tyler Huntley, who was trying to be Lamar Jackson. And yeah, it's just, it was a weird game to watch. It was an ugly game to watch, but it was a clutch game. Justin Tucker, when you have Justin Tucker, he's a cheat code amongst cheat codes because you never have to worry about needing a big kick. You just know he's going to make the kick. And every time in a big spot, he makes the kick. So you just keep hanging around, hanging around, keep it within distance, keep it within a three-point difference because we know if we get within earshot of a field goal, Justin Tucker's going to make it. Nine and four, the Baltimore Ravens, and you know they were close to getting Lamar back for this week, so I would assume they'll have Lamar for next week. If this team could be 10 and four, it's going to be another weird 10 and four team, like, yeah, the Ravens are just weird this year. I just wish they would just for once get Lamar Jackson some help. But that's a rant for another show. The Bengals and the Browns. So the Browns had a chance here to go on the road and see if they can uh, hang tough with the Bengals. The Bengals improved to 9-4. and four. Joe Burrow did Joe, did Joe Burrow things. Jamar Chase was him. And Cleveland's another team where they certainly have a quarterback, as nasty as he is. Uh, but they certainly have a quarterback. I'll come off the screen here. The screen's taking a little bit too long to load. So the Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Mixon comes back. P. Ryan has another solid performance. Uh, I'm not sure what you're expecting from the Cincinnati Bengals because they keep showing you that they're a really good team. I just don't know. I don't want to see last year was a fluke. I just don't know if they can run that gauntlet again this year I know they beat the Chiefs last week and you know Burrow seems to have a thing against the Chiefs so that's cool 
but I just don't know if I can. Can you see the Bengals going on the road in a big spot and getting a W again? I know they did it last year, so I'm not I'm not stupid. What I'm saying is, is that based off what you've seen from them this year, that was last year. They snuck up on a lot of teams last year. We, we can admit that. They're not sneaking up on people this year, and they're still 9-4. and four. But the thing is, how confident are you, are you in them going to Buffalo? How confident are you in them going to Kansas City again? Like, where, 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 does this, where does this confidence, where is your confidence in the Cincinnati Bengals? Because to me, I'm still trying to navigate it. I'm really still trying to figure out what exactly this team is. And let's go to Jamar Chase, 15 targets. Number one receiver, 15 targets. 10 receptions, 119 yards. Doesn't even matter about anybody else. Tyler Boyd did nothing. Doesn't matter. Cincinnati is going to be a team that that's that's going to be a hard team to beat in the wild card. They're too good to be a wild card team, but because of how good the other teams are, because of the fact that the 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 Ravens keep finding a way to win games. Do we want to do the schedule here? Let's see the schedule. We want both. Let's see Baltimore's schedule because I find that interesting. <clears throat> Because I'm not sure. I can't recall if they have uh, played. Have they played Cincinnati twice? They beat Cincinnati already. Wow, this website's really aggy. Come on, Yahoo. All right. Last game of the season. Okay, we'll come off the website. It's been a little aggy. Uh, the last game of the season, Baltimore at Cincinnati. Yeah, they have it scheduled for 1 o'clock. That definitely will not be 1 o'clock. They're definitely going to flex that. They're flexing that somewhere. That should be – look, the, the, sometimes the schedule makers, they know. They know. Baltimore, Cincinnati, Lamar, and them trying to keep it close. And Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase trying to blow it open, bombs away over the top. That should be really interesting. I'm here for that. Okay, let's wrap this up here. Quick hit. The Eagles and the Giants. I won't even get to the screen share on that. Eagles are them. <laughs> you know, we say players are him. The Eagles are them. Until proven otherwise. And, uh, you know, they take care of business. The Giants are outclassed, outmatched. They just don't have the weapons to match up. Um, Jalen Hurts, I think, is the, is the front runner for MVP. He played like one today. It was easy. He does it easy. He seamlessly just runs. He seamlessly just runs and takes advantage of the opportunities when it's given to him. And that's something where at one point in time, Russell Wilson used to do that. You know, and, and that's why the fall from grace for Russell has been tough to watch because at one point, Russell Wilson had that thing where he was throwing dimes. And this is later in his career, not early when it was mostly just the, uh, the, the defense keeping the games close and Russell had to make a couple of plays. Like when Russell finally learned a playbook and finally learned to be a QB at this level, he was able to pick and choose of knowing when to run and knowing when to pass. And he had that seamlessly. Jalen Hurts has that 
and it's way too early in his career for him to be having it, but he has it. And of course, he has weapons. I mean, it's great to have A.J. Brown. That was a great trade, so much so that it got the, the Titans GM fired. And he should have been fired right after he made that trade. I don't know why it took them so long. Uh, but the, the Eagles are going to be them. To me, the key will be the defense. Like I've, I've been trying to talk about them here on this stream. Of, I don't know what their identity is on defense. I know, I know what it is on, the, on offense. That I'm clear on now. But when, it's, when it comes to defense, I'm just not sure what their identity is. Uh, Jacksonville takes care of business. That was a huge win for them and a bad one for the, for the Titans. The Titans, look, Ryan Tannehill, they were able to disguise him the last few years because he had Derrick Henry to hand the ball to and A.J. Brown to throw to. Well, now he no longer has A.J. Brown to throw to, and all he has is just to keep handing the ball off to Derrick Henry, and that's not going to be enough. Um, so that the Titans were mid I think the fact that they have hung on for this long with a respectable record shows just how good they are on defense and just how great Derrick Henry is. But in regards to them as a team, nah, nah, they're not, no. There's, there, there's not much there. There is not much there. And that team doesn't really bring too much to the table when it comes to firepower. And in that division, where a division that they were thought to just, you know, between them and the Colts, were supposed to run away and hide, and neither has done that. Both teams have been under scrutiny. Both teams have been mid at times. Both teams have been ex- exposed at times. There's a lot there when it comes to trying to figure out what the Tennessee Titans are. I know they're built around King Henry, and there's, there's nothing wrong with that. But at some point, you have to throw the ball. Unless you're only the Ravens could get away with not being able to throw the ball proficiently. Only the Ravens. And it took them having a otherworldly dual threat quarterback to do that. And the last thing Ryan Tannehill is, is otherworldly. What else do we have here? Is that the last game? I think that's the last game. Let me just do another quick check here. Uh, if you want to know about the Sunday night game, they're into the second quarter. The Chargers are up 3 nothing, So a low-scoring game. You're not missing much. So thank you for still hanging in here on the stream. That you're not missing much in Sunday night football, apparently. Two teams that we would thought would have be able to, would be able to put up a lot of points has not happened so far. So thank you for hanging in there. Uh, yeah, all scores. Let's go ahead and just make sure I'm not missing anything. I don't think I am. Touched on that, touched on that. Yep, I think we're good there. All right. So if you're new here, I do this every week. I do this after all the 4 o'clock games. I pull up and uh, recap what I saw. And I asked and I asked you all, who was your difference maker? And if you're watching this on a replay, be sure to put that in the comments. Who was your difference maker? To me, I think the the biggest difference maker for week 14 of the NFL, and this might surprise you. It really might. Mitchell Trubisky. Mitchell, Tri- Mitchell Trubisky was the biggest difference maker. And he kept the Baltimore Ravens in the mix. Like if the Ravens find a way to win this division, I think he could point to the game we saw today, the performance we saw from Mitchell Trubisky fresh off the bench, throwing three picks, including one to his former teammate, Roquan Smith. Having that happen. I don't think that was by coincidence. So to me, the biggest difference maker today, now you can look at this in a good way or a bad way. Your difference maker could be someone that played great. My difference maker is someone who played horribly and played up to their ability, which Mitchell, Mitchell Trubisky with three of them picks 
in a loss at the crib when he has a team that, in theory, has more talent than the other team. So I know Mike Tomlin, I, I, I feel for Mike Tomlin. Having to turn to, you know, Mitchell Trubisky after he thought he had something with um, Pickett there, that's, that's unfortunate. But my biggest difference maker, Mitchell Trubisky with three of them picks. Who was your difference maker? Who was the single person that changed the scope of a game that long-term could really impact something later this season? So for me, that'll be Mitchell Trubisky because he kept the Ravens in the hunt for a division title today. That's what he did. So that will wrap things up here for week 14 of the football kickback. I am the Sam D. I appreciate you for listening. Uh, like this stream, subscribe to the channel if you can. Uh, I will be back here again for week 15 doing the same thing, recapping the games, going over the 4 o'clock games first, tapping the 1 o'clock games later, asking you who was your difference maker. I will tell you my difference maker, and we take it from there. Follow me on all the social media platforms at the TheSamD. That's T-H-E-E-S-A-M-D. Like I said, subscribe to the channel. Like the channel if you want to donate. There's a button there. If you want to find out more about how I live stream like this, being able to pull up the screens and stuff like that and have stuff fly in, fly out, I use Ecamm Live. If you want to check out Ecamm Live, you can use my link in the description. It's right there. So for the Sam D, I'll see you guys next week.